You are listening to Boggy Talk, Faith Conversations in the Mud, a resource of Church on Bayshore. We typically want every matter of faith in life to have crystal clear answers, but it isn't always that easy. Recorded on the Boggy Bayou of Niceville, Florida, and hosted by James Ross and Justin Wyatt, pastors at Church on Bayshore, this podcast dives into how to help Christians think with a kingdom mentality about topics that sometimes get muddy and bog us down. So let's dive in. Hey, and welcome to Boggy Talk. We're thankful you're listening or watching with us today. We are jumping into week two and a three-week series on foster care, adoption, and orphan care because... November, in addition to being the month of Turkey and Thanksgiving, is National Adoption Month. Last week, we shared some about how the church can engage. We kind of scratched the surface on ways that uh, Christians and churches can be engaged uh, as a reflection of the gospel. And this week, we're going to just dive right in. No small talk and banter. Uh, we're going to just dive right in here with my friend James Ross, who's the lead pastor here at Church on Bayshore, to a subject about when adoption is not the gospel. So uh, that was a title you came up with. So I'm going to let you explain what does that mean? I'm sitting here with my arms crossed so you can tell I don't want small talk and banter. No small talk and banter. Um, (laughs) Not in the mood. Those who are listening are like, what in the world are you talking about? But that's okay. (laughs) Isn't that small talk and banter? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And last week, I mean, was great. And I would really encourage you if you're only hearing this week, you're not in any way hearing the full context of this conversation because the point was just to take some time to make sure that Christians understand why we're doing what we're doing. And I think in that, talk about some problems that happen in orphan care. You know, so I'll start by saying our motivations matter. In everything, yes. In everything. Our marriage. People get married for the wrong reasons Mm -hmm. all the time. Doesn't mean marriage is bad. No, it doesn't. But it means it's not what it's intended to be. Right. And, you know, people serve for the wrong Wrong reasons. reasons. It doesn't mean serving's bad, but it means that that ministry is probably not what it it intended to be. And I think the same is true for adoption. And, you know, I realize that in saying what we're saying, we're potentially discouraging people from adoption. Um, And perhaps someone will feel bad because, hey, what we're talking about was their motivation. You know, if you're married— and you realize you were married for the wrong reason. It doesn't mean you're unmarried. <laughs> you don't get unmarried. Right. Yeah. It means that you repent and you begin to say, okay, God, work on this where we're at right now. So I think that needs to be very clear. Um, and, you know, if you were to – in anything, I think there's – we can have both motivations at the same time. Like I got married to Christy for some motivations that probably were a little more fleshly. <laughs> and I got married to Christy for some motivations. He's saying he thinks his wife is good looking. Yeah, and I got married for some – I wanted God to be on display in my in my life. And right. so, you know, those things can't exist at the same time when we manage those tensions, right. you know, for sure. I mean, I'll, I'll give a great example. Coaching, you know, youth sports, it's like at the end of the day, like – the goal is to build character. Right. But I also want to win. <laughs> it's a little more fun when you win. <laughs> and I get a little heated sometimes because that motivation is maybe a little too Sit unhealthy. Sit down, boy. Yeah. So uh, basketball season is coming right up, and I have had to check myself at church basketball before. But anyway, <laughs> um, so, so I, I think a starting place for this in terms of motivations for adoption is really what you talked about last week. 
And so how I would articulate this is I would say, is your motivation for adopting to complete the picture of your family or to build God's family? Um, because when you step into adoption, and you can speak this a little more, you're stepping into brokenness. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's something that people forget because we see uh, pictures of people. We see Instagram. We see Facebook. We see people in public like, wow, that's that's so cool. Their family's neat. But what we don't understand is that – or not, not understand, but what we don't see is that um, foster care and adoption are a necessity – because of brokenness in some way. And that is another conversation about all the factors that can be, uh, whether it's, you know, in foster care, often, you know, it's abuse, neglect. Um, sometimes it's just parents can't care. Adoption, uh, private adoption, it's, you know, a, a, a choice to place a child uh, for various reasons. Um, and we have to remember that, you know, it's, it's complicated and it's mm-hmm. there's brokenness and it's not just um, tidy. And I think something we have heard people say is that, wow, that child is talking about the child who's adopted or in foster care and in a loving home. That child's just so lucky to have you. And mm-hmm. and, I, and I want to say this really sensitively because I, I believe there are adoptive uh, a grown adoptive show, uh, people who, who were adopted, who were grown or grown in foster care. And even as a child who would say, yeah, I do feel mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm thankful. But a friend of mine says it this way, lucky kids get to stay with their parents. Right. Yeah. And so there, no matter when that loss happens and every, you know, there's no, I can't prescribe how every, uh, <clears throat> boy or girl who's grown up in foster care, or who was placed for adoption responds to that. That's their own individual, mm-hmm. uh, walk in that we, uh, as those who are caring and as the church, have to recognize mm-hmm. that there is a level of brokenness involved, and we cannot neglect that to complete our picture of what we want our family to look like. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think we get into, when we're thinking that way, we think, um, we just aren't thinking with a clear picture, you know, and I, I you said sensitively, I agree, this is a sensitive issue, but you know, I, I think that when our goal and, and, and in America, you know, and I preached on this a few weeks ago, you know, in the day of social media, especially, but even before that, because of the country we live in, we kind of elevate this ideal of family and this picture of family. And I think that even affects like how we view birth control. I think it affects how we view fertility treatments. I think it affects, you know, a lot of things. And, and there's nuances to all those things and we're not getting into that. So don't like, please don't get on the defensive. And if you have questions about your situation, we'd both be happy to sit down with you, you know, but ultimately, I mean, you answer to God, but I do think it affects those things. I think that this has always been the case. So, so let's go back to the beginning of the Bible and the book of Genesis hmm. and God has promised Abraham and Sarah, a son and Sarah yeah. takes things into her own hands in order to complete that picture. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think men struggle with this too, but specifically a lot of women like their Eve was the mother of all living before she had a child. Mm-hmm. So that was a part of her nature. And so that is a good desire but we also have to realize there's a sovereign God, right? you know, who, who we're trusting in. And if we're not completely continually submitting ourselves to that, 
we can put ourselves in dangerous situations. So move to adoption. And there really does just become this, this, this child was the answer to my prayer, mm-hmm. which he was, or she was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm right. glad God gave you that desire right, to adopt. Right. But this child and, and this child should. And so if you're adopted and God brought you into a great family, like you should recognize, wow, God's grace on my life. However, as the parent, you can't say that. No. Because you're stepping into a broken person's, who will be a son of God, daughter of God, hopefully adult mm-hmm. story that they have to recognize God's grace in. And you can't be like, well, I'm God's grace on your life. I don't even <laughs> do that just, with my birth children, right? right oh, no. okay, maybe I have a couple times. But. <laughs> <laughs> You're so lucky to have me. Yeah, and I think that is that is a big missing piece for a lot of people. And I think come, some of it, too, comes back to you know, another wrong reason, I think, or wrong motive. And I think there may – I can't say there this affects everyone, but I think there is sometimes a mentality, especially in Christian adoption and foster care, that – I am going to rescue a child. Right. I'm going to go rescue a child. And um, and I and so that mentality does, you know, is is but stems from the God. Like God has rescued us. Yeah. But we have to recognize in this that we are not rescuers. Amen. We are Amen. not rescuers. Uh, Jesus is the rescuer. Mm-hmm. He has rescued us. And so we are, you know, we are the agents of reconciliation, you know, mm-hmm. is what the scripture calls us. We are we're called to reconcile. And so we are we are stepping into a situation that's hard, mm-hmm. that's broken. And to say things like when you mentioned like this is the answer to my prayer, like, yes, but you recognize that in God. If you, if you take that that thought and sentiment to its completion, what you're saying is that in order to answer your I prayer, know, God had to break someone else's mm-hmm. heart and mm-hmm. life, and I don't think that's fair. No, um, but God's redemptive. So yes, yes, all this to me, I'm like, it's the mystery of God. Yeah, we should pray. I don't know, but we're called to be part of reconciliation, and and certainly adoption and foster care is a piece of that. Yeah, I I am bringing this child with their story into my home, and their story is a part of what's. I'm bringing all that in, and I'm taking all that on. I'm not just making them fit the fact that I wanted a third child or I wanted a child of a different color because it looks good, mm-hmm. you know, on a picture or whatever it may be. Yeah. And that is certainly a motivation in all this. Yeah, and it, I, I do believe it is. I, I know think that's hard to say. It but really it is. is. I think that is a motive because it, it's, it's a very outward. I think um, when I tell people that I have six kids, they're like, what? And, you know, and, and we have, <laughs> you know, you know, and they're like, but then when I tell people they're adopted, they're like, oh, well, somehow that's okay. Yeah. Right. And I'm not, I'm not kidding. But when they see our kids yeah. and they recognize that three of our kids um, are not Caucasian, it's like, oh, now it's really, really okay. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it, it, it just breaks my heart. It used to annoy me. And now it just yeah. breaks my heart because I think, you know, there there is a bit of a rescuer mentality mm-hmm. amongst mm-hmm. Uh, people. And, and, I, and I can recognize that in myself, too. So I don't say that accusatory of just everyone else. I recognize that that exists in me, too. And, you know, I think um, – we're very aware as a yeah. family that sometimes people are going to look at us and assume that right. we think we are doing a favor for these poor kids. Yeah. And I'm like, no, these are my kids. They're not poor kids. They're my kids. And yeah. uh, uh-huh. But I also carry this, like it's this constant thing that I'm thinking like, but I know that they're my kids because of, of, of brokenness. And also I will say because of some brave choices yeah. that some women made. 
So, Amen. Yeah. And it was funny, you know, about that, that is so for us, it was like uh, the opposite because the child that through foster care ended up being the child that is in our home forever, you know, is blonde hair, blue eyes, <laughs> and people would probably pay a ton of money to adopt yeah. him. Mm-hmm. And we're like, we look like we wanted this, you know? And so it's like, I think like for you and me, it's like, we can't be so concerned with that. Like yeah. we're not, we don't care what people think about us. Like we're trying to be, we're trying to be there in brokenness, you know? And, and so, so I'm going to, I'm going to talk about this in foster care. And I'll let you talk about this in adoption. Like if a constant problem that the state has with foster and adoptive foster families most get into it and would like to adopt at some mm-hmm. point, like are willing, maybe that's a better word. But the goal is reunification. Yeah. That's the first goal. The, 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 the more beautiful goal is that that child who's brought into your home, their parent would take the steps necessary to then parent that child. And that is the best for them. And yet Christian families, you know, often think, well, life is so much better with us for this child. That's the best thing for them. And we're thinking about it mm-hmm. in a purely, not purely, but in majorly earthly terms. Right. You know, and so what does God want? You know, and God wants, God wants restoration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, I know of stories of foster parents who legitimately are trying to be a barrier to that reunification. Yeah. And I think we, you know, there's ideal and there's what's real. And so scripture ideal, the garden is ideal. And there's what's real is that it's, it's, it's broken. And I think, you know, in adoption, um, I think we have to recognize too, like, I'll go back to our experience. So one of the things that we really wanted to do, the reason that we felt compelled uh, we, we started international adoption. Christy's going to share more of this next week. Um, we started international. God redirected us to private domestic adoption. Um, and we weren't pursuing necessarily a, a gender or ethnicity. We are just like, God, we're a family. We're a loving family. Um, but as we uh, pursued working with an agency, and this is something that I tell families who are considering private adoption every time is we wanted to be sure that we were working with an agency mm. that was caring for the birth mm-hmm. parents mm-hmm. as best as possible and not just trying to find babies for people who wanted to adopt. Yeah, that's good. And, um, you know, the, the agencies that we in turn worked with, we had some incredible uh, caseworkers um, and what they did, you know, I because it's amazing what the, the things that they were able to provide for the birth parents and and ultimately they're counseling and we're working in, in their goal. We wanted to we wanted to be sure as much as we knew at the time, we wanted to be sure that this agency was counseling in the way that the, their first priority was to enable mm-hmm. uh, the the usually just the birth mom because the birth father was not in the picture, Unfortunately, yeah. um, but to enable them to be able to parent. And if then that was not an option, then yeah. adoption is like the last resort. Cause we, we just believe that that's, that's best case scenario. We want to, we, we want to see families restored. And so I, you know, I believe uh, in my heart and in our experience with our caseworkers, that that's what's happened. Yeah. Uh, and the things that they were able to do for these women to help them really 
as not or whether it was escape or whether it was to get uh, to the next step where they could be more self-sustaining, mm-hmm. you know, without getting into all the details. You know, I encourage families to do that. And so not just thinking like, how can I get my ideal family? But what how does how do I leverage this? How do I use yeah. this for the good? And, you know, I'll 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 say and we could talk about this for hours, so I probably should start wrapping it up. But <laughs> You know, we, we've we've been foster parents. We're in our fifth year, and we've had three, three, several children. But we've had three children who are with us for um, a decent amount of time. Who we thought, hey, we may adopt this child, and um, we loved them, love mm-hmm. them, and we're willing. Um, but we recognize that you know we weren't ultimately who God wanted this child to be with and he loves them way more than we do. Wow. And then secondly, you know, it probably wasn't what was best for them in their story. I'm, I'm, and you know this about me, like I'm very good at putting my emotions and others emotions aside for like what, where the we right decision. Headed. Yeah. That's harder for my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been, why you're a team. <laughs> yeah. There, there have been many nights of, and I don't know if she'll talk about this, you know, but of, bawling her eyes out, you know, mm-hmm. um, I only have one of those, you know, uh, in this, but there have been many nights of bawling her eyes out, but, and, and our kids have been heartbroken, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it, you know, right. like, because we've gotten to play this piece mm-hmm. in yeah. this story. And, um, that's the goal. The goal is not Right. We're, we're saying, how can we serve it's not the about us? You how know? can we serve the vulnerable? Not how can the vulnerable fit our agenda? Yeah. And I think, you know, goodness, before I start bawling my eyes out about that, <laughs> um, I think it's, isn't it a good thing that that child has someone who's bawled their eyes out mm-hmm. over them, mm-hmm. you know, and not to say that, you know, not knowing circumstances of, of biological families that they haven't over the brokenness too, but isn't that what our kids and like, how would it, how would it be different? you know, I think we you know when we start talking in numbers, it's like, it's easy to be like numbers, numbers, numbers. When we talk about people mm-hmm. and kids and stories and names and faces, you know, right now there's 149 children, uh, in more, there's 149 more children in foster care in our four County region right now than there mm-hmm. are licensed beds for them. Mm-hmm. So why don't we ball our eyes out over that? Mm-hmm. You know, like as Christians, like we say that there's 149 million orphans in the world, like that we should ball our eyes out over that mm-hmm. and, and be broken and, and not just like, Oh, those poor kids mm-hmm. say, so, okay, so what am I going to do about it? And, you know, recognize we all have a piece to play in that. that and it's not because we're rescuers. Yeah. It's because we are rescued. And, and I'll say one more thing. I'll let you wrap it up. You know, if, if you get into this for the right reasons, it's not, it's messy. It's sad. It's fills you with anger, specifically me often towards the biological fathers in these situations towards state agencies who partly because of us, but because of bureaucracy, because you have people who aren't thinking with these motivations, don't make the wisest decisions. So it's so exhausting, emotionally and mentally, physically. But here's our commitment. We're here, whether you're adopting or you're fostering, like you have people, it's not just us, but you have two families and more who will listen to you and will let you cry and get it and will let you be mad 
mm-hmm. maybe even in sin, <laughs> <You're> like, hey, <laughs> and, and get it. Get it. Yeah. And so that's to me, that's the best thing is the support that you can have uh, in this if you're trying to do it to serve the vulnerable. Yeah, and I think one of the we'll wrap it up with this too. Like we have families in our church who have adopted, you know, years ago who are farther down the road, and I'm, I'm thankful for them because they're a source of encourage, encouragement. And now where they are in their stage of parenting, uh, yeah, are ready good. to say, "Hey, we've learned a lot along the way, and we want to help um, provide the support that." at times we felt like we wanted, but didn't have. And I, I'm thankful for those families. And I'm thankful for the new families who are getting into this, uh, who are, I mean, we do have families who are beginning the process, who are in the middle of the process, who've just welcomed kids into their homes and praise God. And, you know, may we be a church that does Amen. this, does it well, does it not for our sake, not so that we sound like an awesome church, but so that God gets the glory. Um, and that ultimately, uh, people are brought into the kingdom. So with that, we're so thankful you've joined us uh, for this uh, week two of, of Boggy Talk, talking about um, adoption, foster care, and orphan care. And we really want to encourage you to listen next week as Christy Ross and Christy Wyatt take over the microphones uh, and share some incredible uh, stories and, and just truth about uh, not just their experience, but also uh, God's heart in this. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Boggy Talk. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a beat.